welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7-365. My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm one of the co-managing editors for the site, and I am joined, as always, by one of our Land Grant contributors and editor emeritus, the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nation's Alexis Chasen. Alexis, got one last road game left for the Ohio State Buckeyes this season. How are you feeling as we edge in to what is almost Michigan week. I, I still don't know. Like, I feel like in the last three weeks, I just, I don't know. I'm not ready for the season to end because I feel like I didn't get, I don't know, all the excitement out of it since we had some mm-hmm. struggles. But, and now, now I'm like incredibly nervous for next week against Michigan. So we'll get there. I'm, right. Yeah. One step at a time. But uh, I don't know. That's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. On the Why Is This News edition of this podcast, we talk about everything that's happened in the past week in Buckeye athletics, specifically football and basketball, but we also touch on some other things. So, Alexis, unfortunately, I'm going to start with the thing that was in the news a lot this week. I don't really want to talk about it much, but I, I feel like we have to address the fact that Zach Smith found his Twitter machine again, and he was tweeting a lot this week, specifically calling out alleged marital infidelities from former Ohio State offensive coordinator and current Texas head football coach Tom Herman. Gross. Yeah, pretty pretty much gross. Um, and he he's being very aggressive on Twitter and his family, his brother is in, in getting involved. And I, I don't know that it really directly affects the Ohio State program a, at all. Um, so we'll leave that to the side. But just like a day or two after that whole tweeting fiasco, which lasted you know m- multiple days, our good old friend Brett McMurphy decided to drop another ridiculously thinly sourced article over at something called WatchStadium.com. Still not sure what that is. Um, and this one had to do with an alleged incident between Zach Smith and former Ohio State wide receiver turned Florida Gator wide receiver Trevon Grimes. Um, we've talked, we've written about uh, Trevon Grimes on Land Grant quite a bit. He transferred last fall, and the official explanation actually, I don't know if there was ever an official explanation given, but the consensus explanation had to do with his mother being ill, um, having a, a serious uh, bout with cancer. And in this article, it basically the only source for this article is Trevon's estranged father. And in the article, uh, his father claims that Zach Smith and Grimes got into an argument in which Smith called the uh, then freshman wide receiver the N-word. He then goes on to also allege that Grimes' mother faked cancer to get around NCAA regulations to allow him to transfer to Florida and to move home. Um, then at the very end of the 9,000 word article, about 50 paragraphs in McMurphy throws in the fact that, uh, via the Florida SID spokesperson, Grimes said not to trust his father because he hasn't spoken to him in more than two years, which would have accounted for the time in which this allegedly happened. By the the, way. Yeah, I know. 50, you know. 8,500 words into the article, he drops that piece, uh, that little nugget. But interestingly, as almost as soon as this article comes out, Ohio State players, current and former, jumped on Twitter and said, we were there when this argument happened. Neither Smith nor anyone else 
used any racial slurs? And if they had, do you really think that we would have put up with it? Um, and this are coming from a wide range of players, including Joshua Perry, who I feel like is probably the most trustworthy guy that Ohio State's had, especially on issues like this within the last couple years. Agreed. Yeah. And everyone loves Joshua Perry. Like he's a guy who's not going to take any crap from anybody. Um, and then it went a little bit further when both um, OSU president uh, Michael Drake and athletic director Gene Smith released statements saying that they were informed about this about a week ago. They investigated it and concluded that there was absolutely nothing to it. They informed McMurphy of that. He chose not to include that in the article. So, uh, Alexis, more drama, more ugliness. This one, though, is something that I feel like could have some ramifications on the program. And, and um, our Patrick Mayhorn wrote an article about it um, on, on Wednesday about how it could impact recruiting. Not just about the fact that there's a semi-major media member claiming that Zach Smith was throwing around racial slurs, but the fact that that just continues to put more questions about how Urban Meyer runs his program, despite all of the seemingly believable denials from players who were there from the athletic department and everything. So um, if you want to get more into that, Patrick has that, but this is something that it just seems like Brett McMurphy and Zach Smith are the not gift, but the opposite of gift, the, the, the prank that keeps on giving and pranks, obviously not strong enough a word, but just the crap that keeps on crapping. Um, yeah, and they just won't go away. Just fair. leave us alone. Just go away. We don't want you around here anymore. Like the allegations are gross, whether they're true or not. Like the the fact that they're even talking about, you know, like the Grimes thing with like his mother and whether or not she had cancer. I mean, like these are like strong allegations, and as were his from previously too. It's just, um, I don't know. It's all gross, and I just like them to stop talking about OSU in general. And I'd like for Zach Smith to get off Twitter. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm all for everybody having the right to do whatever they want. If you want to tweet, Yeah, tweet. and defend yourself. I get it. I totally get it. But maybe that's not the platform for that. Yeah, absolutely. Just not a, not a good look. Not 280 characters at a time. Yeah, can we go back to 140? Maybe that would, yeah. maybe that's really the problem. The problem, okay, we've solved the problem. All the issues in the whole Zach Smith scenario could have been fixed if Twitter would have just stated 140 characters. I blame Jack. At Jack, it's all your fault. Yep, I'm with you. All right. So let's move on to the field. And uh, Alexis, for me, the biggest story coming out of last week's Michigan State game, and, and Patrick and Colton had their recap pod, which was fantastic. But to me, the biggest story, and honestly, the biggest travesty and crock and conspiracy in all of college football this season is the fact that from their ivory tower in Chicago, Illinois, the powers that be at the Big Ten office deemed someone, anyone other than Drew Chrisman, the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week last week. That is a travesty. That is a sham. That is a mockery. That is a Travis Sham mockery. I can't believe that anyone in their right mind who knows anything about football would say that anybody, game-winning, field goal or not, would pick someone other than Drew Chrisman from last week to be the Player of the Week. I'm offended for him. But have no fear. He uh, earlier today, uh, when we we're recording on Thursday, he was named one of ten Ray Guy semifinalists. I don't know that he's going to win that because there's been quite a few games where he just hasn't punted at all. But dude showed he is proudly continuing 
the tradition of great Buckeye punters, and he should have gotten that award last week. The award means nothing, but it's really ridiculous that he didn't get it. Well, yeah, I feel like I've spent most of my um, football talking career yelling <laughs> about people not talking about punters enough. <laughs> like, I've always been a Cameron Johnston stan. Like, we don't talk about punters enough, and we should. And I feel like maybe that's where, you know, he got overlooked for the award because people aren't talking about punters. And yeah, I mean, Ohio State fans and anybody who watched the game last week was talking about punters. But I feel like some of the, you know, the people in Chicago maybe had their eyes on something else. And they're like, oh, a field goal. That's more important than punting. But punters are people too. (laughs) Some people will argue whether they're athletes or not, but I think uh, everybody in Buckeye Nation can agree that Drew Crispin deserves all of the accolades that he could possibly get after last week's punting performance. Now, moving from last week's performance to this week's performance, um, well, you know, uh, Patrick and Colton again had their Maryland preview. We've got a ton of content on the Maryland game on the site. One thing, though, that is left over from last week, Alexis, I had an article already written, already prepped. I was ready to hit publish as soon as Dwayne Haskins broke Ohio State's single season passing record. He did not do it last week. It he will come, barring an injury or an ejection or something, he's going to do it probably in the first quarter against Maryland. He is 51 yards away from baking, breaking Joe Germain's 1998 single-season passing record of 3,330 yards. It's 51 yards away. That should happen, hopefully, knock on wood, very early in the game. It, of course, will be especially appropriate because Dwayne Haskins, for a large part of his childhood, grew up in the DMV area so he's back at home he'd originally committed to play football at the university of maryland before a coaching change happened which allowed him to follow his childhood dream of quarterbacking ohio state so it should be a really emotional uh thing for for dwayne haskins and what's interesting alexis i had started to advance a theory i hadn't written about it a lot yet i'd, I'd mentioned it in a q a i did with testudo times the sb nation blog from maryland that i kind of thought that dwayne haskins was getting more susceptible to happy feet and trying to get rid of 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 the ball a little quickly as pressure was coming in because he'd already decided he was going to leave Ohio State, go to the NFL draft, and he was looking to avoid injury. Well, on Thursday, not a super reliable source, but a random draft website said that according to sources inside the Ohio State program, Haskins has already decided to stay at Ohio State for next season. Now, I have no idea if that's true or not. It's not coming from a, a source that I feel super comfortable with their sourcing on. But it is interesting that as we head into the last three, four, maybe even five games of the season, that you know, if you look at the season with Haskins with one eye on the NFL, that probably changes the uh, you know how he performs. If he's looking exclusively on coming back next year, maybe we get a different Haskins through the remainder of this season. I think that's really interesting because like when you asked me at the beginning of the show how I was feeling, like it's it doesn't feel like it's almost the end of the season. Like yeah. the fact that we are already talking about who's going to declare, who may be back, like these are things that these guys are now thinking of. I mean, we're mid-November. Um, not that they weren't already thinking about it with Bosa deciding to declare, but sure. That's a different um, situation, but yeah. Entirely. But we are at the point of the season where we have, you know, these guys are going to have to start thinking about those things. I mean, Denzel Ward was the first Buckeye last year to sit out of a bowl game. And, you know, he ended up going number Not going to be the last. Yeah. No. And, you know, that was more of a growing trend last year during the bowl season. 
And Bosa surprised me because I thought he'd at least wait to see if we went to the playoffs before declaring because then he at least would afford himself the opportunity to come back and potentially play against an Alabama or in a championship game. But, you know, these guys are going to have tough decisions. But I will say our first show, I said that I thought Haskins should come back um, for one more year of development. And I think I said he should go. Correct. Correct. We disagreed. And I mean, sure, there's still time where you're going to end up being right, because let's face it, just about every week that happens, I make a bad decision. (laughs) Well, last week was really bad for me, but that's fine. Yeah, it was. But that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to rub it in. So I hope that Haskins stays. I really do think he would benefit from it. And I also think with so many wide receivers leaving, we really need a... Vet, I, I hate to call him a veteran after like one in a little bit of a season, but mm-hmm. you know, a veteran quarterback back there to sort of usher in the next generation of offense. And so for so many reasons, I think he should stay, but we'll see. Yeah. And, and this is a very weak NFL draft class for quarterbacks. So he could be propped up a little bit higher than he would have in a normal season because they are so thin at quarterback. So he might be, you know, if you would have asked me a month ago, where he would be in the NFL draft, I would say he's a surefire first rounder. And if he finishes strong, could make it up into the first half. However, over the last few weeks, he's you know seen his production slip, his accuracy slip, um, his pocket presence slip. So I'm, I, I would think he is he would need a really strong final three plus games to get back into the first round. But if he gets that like first first round money is tough to turn down. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, it's not necessarily that he's been bad the last few games no. either. It's just his production's down. He's playing like a first-year starting quarterback. Like co- him coming out of the gate as strong as he was, you know, was sort of one of those JT Barrett 2014 situations. You like, you know, you start so high that anything JT Barrett did after that was like, well, why aren't you throwing for a thousand yards? <laughs> like, what are what are you doing? And I sort of feel like that like Haskins just did it all in one season versus separating it from years. But, you know, you always have that dip in production. And so I think by coming back, he could really then have a dominant year the entire season next year and probably do more for himself. Um, I don't even know what the next round of quarterbacks looks like, but it's going to be a lot of NFL teams are going to be needing quarterbacks over the next year or two or three um, with some of the aging guys. So it'll be interesting definitely to see what he does. Yeah. Now, of course, if he comes back and he gets hurt, though, he forfeits a lot of money that he could have made himself. But we'll see what happens. He still has at least three games. Well, I guess not necessarily. He could if he decides to go, he could sit out the bowl game, but he's got at least two games, probably three games, hopefully more. Um, But we'll talk about that as the season comes uh, closer and closer to ending. Now, let's focus back on Maryland, and I want to talk real quick about the injuries. Over the last couple days, we've gotten some insight through Urban Meyer, both uh, on the Big Ten teleconference and his call-in show, about some players who've been dealing with injuries lately. He did say that for a second week in a row, linebacker Baron Browning will be out, so he will not be there. However, Safety Isaiah Pryor will be healthy and ready to go. It looks like Brandon White will still be the starter. And Sean, yeah, and Sean Wade will be the nickel. Um, however, having Isaiah Pryor, who admittedly is not the best uh, safety in, in Ohio State recent memory, but he is, a, you know, he is a serviceable, strong athlete, has a ton of athleticism. And I actually think that the secondary has been getting better over the last few weeks. You know, not coincidentally that he's out when Bar- uh, when 
when Brendan White has been in. But I think maybe eliminating some of the pressure that he had to have felt as the starter um, could actually improve his play as being one of a group of guys in that position rather than having to be the leader. So we'll see what happens there. And with all due respect to Sean Nuremberger, um, Urban Meyer said he's ready to go when called upon. I I kind of hope he doesn't get called upon. I mean, no no offense, but... Uh, yeah, he- I mean, I'm ready if I get called upon, but <laughs> that's not going to happen. So... <laughs> Yeah, and and I would be totally fine if he just sat there ready on the bench whenever he, you know, needed to be there in case he is called upon and he just finished out his career, his 19-year career at Ohio State uh, and like let the Blake Hobbiel era uh start. But anyway, I'm glad that he's healthy um after he uh, strained his groin during warm-ups a few weeks ago, but I think it's probably time to end that 9 years after he started at Ohio State but yeah I feel like you know you can definitely see his age and the fact that he did strain his groin during during (laughs) warm-ups I mean he's not that old I mean he's younger than both of us (laughs) but he's old in terms of like football age I mean not really he's a kicker they can play forever he's he's old-ish for college football but there are still people who play football in the NFL older than him believe it or not but Uh, shocking I know. So, all right, let's move to our predictions, Alexis. Last week, I took the bold step of predicting the upset for the Michigan State Spartans. That did not happen. Wow. Um, so I am plummeting down. I haven't done the updated scores, but I'm plummeting down towards your area, uh, Alexis. <laughs> Welcome I might, to the dark side. <laughs> I might have passed you. I wasn't the only person that picked Michigan State um, on staff, but um, I will uh, probably be down lower because you picked Ohio State to win, so you'll go up. I'll come down. We might meet in the middle, but I'm fine with that. If I would have, if, if Ohio State would have lost, I would have skyrocketed up to the top of the rankings. But now that they've won, I don't have to worry about my predictions being right. I can just pick whatever the hell I want because I'm not going to win anyway. So let's start with you, though. What do you see happening in this game between Ohio State and Maryland on Saturday? So since my picks all year have been really, really bad, uh, I'm just going to go with 36-24 for the rest of the year because it's going to (laughs) happen. So I think against Maryland, 36-24. Nice. I like it. Okay, that's fine. Just pick that every game. I think you might want to change it for next week because that seems like an awful lot of points. But anyway, um, for me, I'm going Ohio State 42, Maryland 16. I do think that Ohio State's defense is improving. I think they're starting to figure some things out. Maryland is an incredibly one-dimensional team. They are a run-heavy offense. Um, As Chad Peltier uh, described in his advanced stats preview, they are a team that when they bust a big run, they are very successful with those runs. But they really don't bust big runs as much as you would think from an offense that is considered explosive. So if Ohio State... And they're improving uh, secondary. Their linebackers have played well-ish the last few weeks. If they can collapse on uh, the running game, especially because there is no passing game to to speak of. Kasim Hill, their starting quarterback, is out for the season with a torn ACL. It's actually his second ACL tear of his college career. It's actually the other knee than it was originally. So they have a backup quarterback in who's only thrown the ball 31 times this season. Is much more a running quarterback, so you shouldn't expect them to put the ball up a ton. So I'm going to go 42-16. I am am buying in. I wrote an article for the site uh, on Sunday of last week after the Michigan State game that I'm, despite my better judgment, 
I am optimistic about the changes that this team is making on offense and defense. So I'm hoping that we can see a really strong game so that we can head in uh, to beat Michigan week uh, on, on a strong note. Okay, so Alexis, that's everything about the Ohio State-Maryland game from this week. Uh, Not a ton of news coming out of NFL land for former Buckeyes, but there are some things that I know you wanted to pass along. Yeah, I definitely just wanted to let everyone know that the Buffalo Bills released wide receiver Terrell Pryor already after about two weeks. What? So that was the quickest uh, non-play ever. He did get into the game last week, um, didn't make any catches. Uh, They're moving on. You know, they moved on already from their quarterback. I don't know what the Bills are doing. They're a mess. But I do think that Terrell Pryor's NFL career options are starting to dwindle a little bit more than Mm -hmm. he thought when he left Cleveland a couple years ago. So it'll be interesting to see. I I highly doubt that he signs anywhere this year unless it's to a playoff team um, who just needs to have a healthy body to use. But um, even that, I'm just not sure. He could come back next year, but I don't know. And uh, Tyvis Powell was also waived by the 49ers, but he's been on and off their practice squad almost every week this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did come back either on their practice squad or at least be re-signed to them to go through the off-season OTAs and give them another option to or opportunity to make the team. But he will be out of practice squad eligibility. So it's sort of now or never for Powell. But I really like him, so I hope you know he gets it. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, We're recording at about five o'clock on Thursday afternoon. That means we're a couple hours away from Ohio State's Gavit tip-off games uh, contest against the Creighton Blue Jays. So we don't know what happened in that game yet, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they won. Who knows? Ohio State Yeah, I like it. Confident. Sure. Whatever. Um, One thing to note that I'm sure will be in the coverage because I'm writing the recap of the game. Ohio State was very close to having a different head coach after they fired Thad Mata. If everybody remembers, Gene Smith had originally reached out to Chris Holtman. Chris Holtman wasn't sure if he wanted to leave Butler. So in the meantime, Gene Smith turned his attentions to one Greg McDermott, the head coach of the Creighton Blue Jays. It wasn't until he was actually getting ready to go to Omaha, Nebraska, to talk to Greg McDermott when Chris Holtman changed his mind and decided he wanted to come to Columbus. So uh, a kind of a battle of what is and what could have been. I think Greg McDermott would have been a great coach at Ohio State, but obviously I'm not trading Chris Holtman for anybody. So uh, I'm very happy about that. So one thing I do want to mention, uh, this week is the beginning of the national signing period for a lot of sports other than football, including men's basketball. So far, the Ohio State basketball team has only had one of their three 2018-2019 players sign. Uh, That was Alonzo Gaffney. He's a 6'9 forward from New Hampshire. He is a five-star player. He is the 39th ranked player in the country. But you shouldn't be worried that the other two players um, haven't signed yet. EJ Liddell is expected to sign today as we're recording on Thursday. Um, However, that that might change depending on some weather things I saw. But he is planning on signing at his high school at their first um, inter-squad scrimmage. So he was going to timing that to that event. And then DJ Carton, who is a five-star point guard, he is planning on doing it at a signing ceremony on Monday. So just because Gaffney is the only player in Chris Holtman's next recruiting class to have actually signed already, this isn't the same kind of thing as football where everybody signs on that first day. They've got things a little spread out, but you shouldn't have a problem with either either DJ Carton or EJ Liddell signing their uh, national letters of intent anytime soon. So... All right. Um, <laughs> you just dropped something uh, in our notes that 
you want to say, go ahead, go ahead. I'm so excited. So I'm super into basketball this season, as we know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all two games we've had, I've been real into them. So my first take, I think I said it last week on the show, that Kyle Young reminded me of Aaron Kraft because he got like the rosy cheeks and everything. He's a white guy. That's basically He's what you're saying. <laughs> so Patrick tweeted out uh, after or right before the game that Kyle Young was good offensively and defensively and could be, you know, a guy that sort of was unknown that really is a star this year. And I pointed that he could be the Aaron Craft 2.0 and Patrick agreed with me. So I feel like I'm an expert now because I totally had a take <laughs> that Patrick agreed with. Yeah, especially about basketball. That's good. I'm proud of you. I know. I feel really good about myself. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well done. Well done. You know what else would make me really proud of you, Alexis? What? If you told me what else was happening on the Ohio State Athletics calendar over the weekend. Oh, anything for you. So the swim and dive team will host the Ohio State Invitational all day, Friday and Saturday. Men's hockey plays host to Wisconsin this weekend and will first take the ice on Friday at 7 and again on Saturday at 5. The women's hockey team is also in Columbus this weekend hosting Minnesota Duluth at 6 o'clock Friday and 1 o'clock on Saturday. The women's volleyball team will host a pair of 7 p.m. matches, first against Wisconsin on Friday and then Minnesota on Saturday. So lots of sports Fridays are on Friday. So the women's basketball team was supposed to cap things off on Friday night against Sacramento State, but that game was canceled because of the wildfires out there. On Saturday, the football team will face Maryland in College Park at noon, and Ohio State's fencing team will host the Elite Invitational Duels again, uh, beginning Saturday and finishing on Sunday. And then the men's basketball team will host South Carolina State on Sunday at 2. So, busy weekend. Oh, this is the time of year when basically everything is going on. You've got all the fall sports, you've got the winter sports. Really exciting to be a sports fan on campus right now, I'm sure. Yeah, and all the stuff at home. So if you want to get out of the house, but also be warm, there's a lot of places to go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on landgrantholyland.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow this very pod on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can follow Alexis at Lovely Buckeye, and you can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and LandGrantHolyLand on Facebook. It's another noon game, so I'm very happy about that. Get this out of the way, and then as soon as the clock hits 0-0, in College Park, it has officially beat Michigan Week. Alexis, I'm very much on board with all of the pettiness and not saying the word Michigan on the pod next week. Are you good with that? Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to record wearing my Ann Arbor as a whore shirt because it just has to happen. Done. Done and done. All right. Enjoy the game on Saturday, everybody, and go Bucks. Go Bucks!